Welcome to Fountain of Life Worship Center's podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Today you will hear a message previously recorded from our pastor, youth pastor, or a guest speaker. Join us as we know God, grow in God, and go with God today. Let's jump into the message.
Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Come on, lift your voices and sing this out. Cause Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Jesus, one big, huge hand clap of praise. Thank you, praise team. Awesome, awesome job. I want to say thank you to, to Michael and Jesse and Kate and Marshall, David, all those that came out early this morning and brought all this stuff out and got it set up. Y'all just showed up and it was here. It wasn't like that when we got here this morning, but can we give them a hand clap? Every week they've been faithful to come in and do different things and just so thankful for them. And this praise team every week leading us into the presence of God. They do an awesome, awesome job. Even Lisa. If you have your Bibles, if you would go with me to Zechariah. Zechariah, chapter 10. Zechariah, chapter 10, I'm going to start reading at verse 1. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone, grass in the field. For the idols have spoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie, and told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore they went their way as a flock. They were troubled because there was no shepherd. Mine anger has kindled against the shepherds, and I punished the goats. For the Lord of hosts hath visited the flock of the house of Judah, and hath made them as his goodly horse in the battle. Happy, would you bless the word today? Thank you, Lord. What a beautiful day, Lord. What a beautiful situation. Ooh. Father God, we just thank you that your people could come out, oh Father God, and worship your name, oh Father God. We just thank you, Lord, that we can gather as one, oh Father God, on this beautiful ground, oh Father. Well, Father God, we might not be in the building, but we're in your house. Lord. Yes. Amen. And Father God, we just thank you and praise you. Thank our nation, oh Father. Thank you for the situation. Well, Father God, you can be revealed now as, Father God, that you've never been revealed. Well, Father God, you're the boss in this situation. 
Lord God, we just know that you'll make it good and bless your people. In Jesus' holy name, I do pray and thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Air high five, somebody. Air high five. Air high five. If there was ever a nation or a church that needed to act and receive on the call from God, that church and that nation, America, would fit the bill. Amen. There are so many things that are similar with Zechariah's situation and the situation we find ourselves in today in America, we should be excited about the promises of God that there is more for us to experience than what we have today. We think we've experienced it all, but how many knows today there is more? There is more than just this. The church in Zechariah's day had done some great things. They had made some great strides, and they're kind of like the church of America today, just like in Zechariah. Zechariah's day, they helped build a temple when they came back from captivity. And you look at the, the church today, America has built some of the most amazing sanctuaries. And you would think that all these blessings and all these great things that we have seen from the hand of God, it would propel us into further greatness. More. Man, I love this echo. <laughs> Suddenly, God wants us to have more. But sadly, that is not the case in the church today. Something seems to be missing. The church is still just seemingly going through the motions of church. Come to church on Sunday morning, sing your three or four uh, uh, psalms and hymns. Uh, the preacher preaches a poem, and we just go home, and everything's the same old, same old. Amen. We become happy with the same old, same old. The same people coming week after week after week. It's sad, but I can remember hearing a pastor one time say, I don't want no more people because that's more problems I have. The same programs that are producing nothing but tradition and we're still doing them over and over and over. And all we are doing is maintaining those in the church and losing our older Christians. Every day in the mail, Belinda or I get something out of the mail that says, let us help you grow your church. I don't need all those programs. The book of Acts told us how to build a church. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. Now think about that. But every day in the mail, we get these products that say, let us grow your church. But the church is falling more and more behind our culture. Our impact on our culture has been lost. People are telling us the church needs to embrace culture more. I've come to tell you today that Jesus Christ never in his lifetime embraced culture. Embrace means that we agree with it. Jesus confronted 
culture. You think about that. We have come to a place where most, and I mean most Christians, are passionless with their walk with Christ. We have lost our passion. Well, you want to go to church tomorrow? I don't know. Is the mall going to open? Oh, boy. Where's our passion going? That leads me to believe there's more. Jehovah's Witness and Mormons are the people that we hate seeing come to our doors. But yet they are making every effort to convert people to their doctrine. Think about that. They have passion. They're on bicycles and walking up and down sidewalks on missions to see people convert to their, their doctrine. Listen to me. You're not going to like this. But a lack of passion makes you useless to God. Amen. If you're not passionate about it, you're useless to Him. Oh boy, here we go. Happy Mother's Day. You can look through the Word of God and you will never find a person, you'll never find anyone who ever made a difference being passionless. We have become powerless as well. Man, it's quiet on the parking lot. We have become a powerless church. I was told in the book of Acts that miracles and signs and wonders would follow those who believe. We can't believe God for a headache. We have become a church who has tried to fight a spiritual battle in our natural bodies. Natural man trying to fight spiritual enemies. We know that God has equipped the church with spiritual weapons, but yet we choose daily not to in battle and not even to use those spiritual weapons because we think we can do it on our own. I promise you this message gets happier. Just hold with me for a while. Yes, we come to church and we have great events. But are we really setting the captives free? Yes, we help from time to time. But where are the, the priests and the prophets who are weeping for our sons and our daughters who have fallen prey to, to drug addiction and to alcoholism and to homosexuality? Where are our priests and our prophets that are falling on their face and praying and interceding for our sons and our daughters? You know, the least attended thing we do here is prayer. But yet we want God to move and to do everything. Oh, boy. And if we're going to be honest, I'm convinced that revival will only come when we become brutally honest. We have to, we have to admit somewhere along the lines that we've lost something in the church in America. We have to admit somewhere along the line that we have lost what true church is at Fountain of Life Worship Center. We have to admit it. Ronald Reagan, President Reagan once said, facts are stubborn things. Facts tell us that yes, we're building bigger buildings and beautiful cathedrals but we're losing more and more people every year. Yeah. Oh, 
think about that, saints of God. I mean, you think of the saints of God that have died before us, that were in our churches. Who's taking their places? Nobody. We talk about it all the time. Well, so-and-so used to do this. Why is nobody doing it anymore? Because the church has lost its passion to serve. Here's the facts. We can chew on this a while because this is sad. In the past 30 years, the population of our country has grown by 50 million people. In America, about 65% of our population is now unchurched with no connection whatsoever to a church. We have the largest generation in the history of the world to grow up outside the influence of the church. No county, now you catch this, no county in America has seen a 1% increase in church attendance over the last 10 years. Of the 3,098 counties in America, 2,303 have actually declined in church attendance. The U.S. sends out more missionaries and now ranks third in the world for the need for missionaries. Only 15% of our churches in America are growing and 14% are growing because family moves from one community to another. Only 1% of church growth is people coming to know Jesus Christ. Out of 15%, only 1% of that is through people being converted to Christ. It says, with this trend, by 2050, 60% of our existing churches will be closed and gone. So as your pastor, I say we have to stop being delusional and stop saying everything's okay. Because that's what we do as churches and pastors. Well, it's good, the money's good, and we still got 130, 140 people coming. But listen to me, what are we going to do when that 130, that 140 is gone? We've just gotten to a place that we're happy with maintaining churches. And God never wanted us to maintain. He wanted us to thrive. He wants the church to thrive. We watch TV and everybody's like, oh man, I wish their church could be like Elevation. I wish their church could be like Jake's church. I wish their church could be big like John Hagee's. Do you realize that this church can be that big? But it's going to take the people sitting in the chairs every Sunday to come and be a part of what we're doing. We can't just say, well, I don't like that church because it's not like that one on TV. Let's be better than the one on TV. Oh, boy. We've got to stop saying there's nothing wrong with our churches and the same old thing and just maintaining. It's what was happening in Zechariah's day. There were people who were saying all is well. And the problem with that is that kind of mentality is what kills the church. Because what happens is all is well and people begin to drift and people lose passion and the church loses the power and we, we become profitless and we end up in desperate times. That's why we have churches that once thrived in this state. We got churches of God that once thrived in this state that is barely hanging on. Yeah. 
only hanging on because the church has said, oh, well, my four and no more. We'll maintain. Who cares what happens after I die? You better care. We need to leave an inheritance to those that are coming behind us. Something to look forward to. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 says, For this time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears. That's what's wrong with the church. Well, I'm going to go to that church because they don't preach on that sin. They ain't going to get on my toes for, for doing this and doing that, so I'll just drive. I'm going to go to that church. You keep going, and you'll go where they go. Y'all get that in a minute. There has to be more. There has to be more. Think about this. Zechariah's society was so closely like ours, and God from heaven thunders a command from heaven to his people, and he says something crazy. He says something that does not make sense whatsoever. In the middle of the rainiest season, he says it's pouring the rain outside, and God said, I'm going to call out more. More. While in the latter rain, God compelled the people to start asking for more rain. <laughs> Sounds a little selfish, doesn't it? That in the middle of rain, something good and want more. But the point is, God wanted the people to know, I've got more than this. This isn't even the tip of the iceberg. It's kind of like buffets. People like going to buffets. More and more and more. And looking at their plates, some of them need sideboards. And that's what God is telling us. I want more and more and more. God's telling us to take the lid off this thing, to take him out of the box, and let him just pour out more. We need more. God would not tell us to ask for something if he did not intend to give it to us. A lot of people look at the church and they say, man, you're arrogant. You know why? Because we base our success on the size of our building, the amount of money that comes in, and how many people's in the door. It's sickening to get around preachers. Oh, boy. Oh, man, this will be on TV later. It's sickening sometimes to get around them. Oh, our ties are this, and our attendance is this, and our building is this. How many saved? How many's been saved? Because for this time, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they they will heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears. And we all, we, we use the same measuring stick. We use the same measuring stick the world uses to measure the success of our church. How many people, how much money, and how big the building? How many homeless people did you feed? How many widows did you take care of? How many nursing homes did you go visit? We don't even talk about that stuff. That stuff's not important. We blatantly display our ignorance of God's purpose and calling when we salute the success like that. Because what we're doing is we're stepping over seas of people and never being moved to pray for them. 
That's what causes people to drive by backpackers and say, you worthless scum. No, that is a soul. That is somebody that needs you to pull off the side of the road and say, hey, silver and gold I may not have, but can I pray for you today? We have the mentality that it's our church, and we're going to run it the way we want to. Have we ever thought to ask God how he wants to run it? Revelation gives us seven churches that America would call great today. Seven churches. He said in Ephesus, I mean, you look at them. They were a powerful church. They had a powerful history. They'd done great things. They had great pastors. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, was once a pastor there. But God had a problem with them. And in Revelation 2, 4, he said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Now notice it says left, not lost, left. They blatantly, deliberately left the first love. It was not an accident. It was a choice or a series of choices that brought that church, resulting them in abandonment of their first love. Then there's Laodicea, and Jesus didn't have much good to say about them. He said, so then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Not a very pleasant thought to think that we've made Jesus sick in his stomach. And he said, I'm going to puke you out. That's what he's saying. I wanna, it makes me want to puke what you're doing. You think you've got it all. But you're naked and wretched. You have no idea. But you got a lot of people in a nice building and a lot of ties. We may not show this one tonight. God wants us restored in America. He wants us restored in America. God is pouring out His Spirit all around the globe, and He's trying to wake up America and say, there's got to be more. you got to want more. I'm convinced that a fresh move of God is the only hope for America. And if we don't come back after this with passion, the church is in trouble. Because there are some who are not letting a good opportunity go to waste because they're trying to see how compliant the church will be. Oh, we don't want to talk about that either, do we? If you don't believe that, I got some oceanfront property in Arizona. It lets me know. Because think about this. He told them... Their doors would be open if, he, if they would, you know, the door was open and let him in and that he could, they could become, come back to the king's dinner and the king's supper. So right there, it lets me know there's still hope. It lets me know that all is not lost. We can still turn back and get back to where God wants America because God is pouring His Spirit all around the globe and there has to be more. And I'm convinced again that a fresh move of God is the only hope for America. Our way of rescue has always been right before us. Always. Brother Allred quoted this Sunday morning or Saturday evening when we were outside. If my people, 
which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. The solution for a deluded church is not a better army. It's not a flashier program. It's not higher test scores. It's not more education for pastors. There is nothing wrong with those things, but that does not address the deep need that the church has in 2020. Those things are not even close. Our hope is not in the political arena. My hope is not found in blue and red. I could care less if they're Democrat or Republican. They're politics and they're out for your pocketbooks. They could care less. In fact, there's one party that the church has gotten so close to that no matter what they say, they get our vote. Oh, boy. You better be careful. Just because they got the right letter beside of them doesn't always mean they're Christians. Doesn't always mean they got the best things. Oh, boy. My hope's not in a political system. It's not in a financial system. Our hope has never been in institutions of man. And we need to understand that our hope is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and of earth. He's telling us there is more if you'll call out to me. I mean, we haven't even seen. Some of you are, you're older than I am and you have saw some great moves of God in your life. But I'm telling you, before you die, I believe God still has some great moves of God that are even better than what you saw before. How many of us want everything God has to offer? How many of us have everything God has to offer? Then there has to be more. Think about it. I think about, I mean, we don't even rejoice in the Lord no more. One of the reasons the church is becoming so powerless is that we have lost our passion to just rejoice. The psalmist said in Psalm 85, 6, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Think about what he just said. That thy people may rejoice in thee. Think about what we as a church rejoice in. Our jobs. We rejoice in financial uh, miracles. We rejoice in healing. We rejoice in deliverance. And again, we should rejoice over that stuff. But we have lost our ability just to rejoice in God. Come on. Come on, man. Not God's stuff. Just God. Just God. He's become our sugar daddy. We'll bless him if he gives us stuff. That thy people may rejoice in thee, meaning that we are fixated on Christ. We have become fixated on his stuff and we have forgotten him. Our churches, because we have gotten fixated on his stuff and and we have forgotten about him, our churches have become filled with grumpy people who refuse to rejoice. They sit in the church and they look like they've been sucking on sour lemons. Because they're mad because things didn't go their way. It's too hot out here. It's too cold out here. It's too loud. It's not loud enough. The business meeting didn't go my way. So their view of God becomes blurry and distorted because they didn't get their way and God let them down. So therefore, I'm not going to rejoice. 
going to sit here with my lip out like this, and I'm not going to amen the pastor today. It's easy to rejoice when somebody starts running. It's easy to rejoice when people start spinning around and dancing. It's easy to rejoice when, when somebody starts shouting. It triggers our emotions. But when is the last time you just rejoice because he's God? We have a lot of young ministers, and it drives me insane. They degrade and look down on the generations before us, but they had something we didn't. More. I want to hear the stories of when miracle signs and wonders actually took place. I think about the pastors today. And I look back. They would meet in buildings that some of our pastors today would think they're too good for. I can't go to that church. It's old. And I ain't just, I'm not going to do that. Do you know how the building that was used when Azusa Street started? They had wood benches, pot belly stoves, waving them funeral fans, and rejoicing. Had their vestal hankies out. Today we won't even come if we know the air conditioner's out. Well, they're not having church inside, they're doing it outside, so bless God, I'll stay home and I'll show them. No, I'm having fun. You ain't showing me nothing. I enjoy it. But here's the thing I think about those before us, like the Azusa Street Revival and ministers and preachers before us. They had nothing of this world, and they wanted none of it. No money, no connections, no bank, but they had God. Amen. Come on. The joy of the Lord was their strength. That's our heritage. That's our foundation, and we got a lot of young preachers that want to move away from that. And we wonder why we got problems in our churches. We make light of the old-timers. Well, I come to tell you, old-timers, you paved the way for me. I'll just pick this up and read it right now. Maybe. chapter 4 we'll start at verse 23 says and being let go they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them now remember this is Peter and John after they were released it says and when they had heard that they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said Lord thou art God which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them who 
by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel... And the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, my Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Now listen to this. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. The Acts Church, in the face of persecution, did not go file a complaint with City Hall. They didn't blast everybody on Facebook. The Church of Acts, when they were faced with difficulties, they went with nothing into the presence of God and came out with fresh fire. Now you think about that. When confronted by persecution, we take to Facebook and whine and cry, woe is me, gloom, doom, and despair and agony. But the real church, when confronted by persecution, they rejoiced and they overcame. The church does not need a bunch of more stuff. We need to begin to reach. We must become more effective at reaching people for Jesus Christ. If there was ever a time the church should be shining, it's now. I said it last week. I say it again. This is not the time for the church to stand back and be fearful and afraid. It's time for the church to rise and be full of glory and power and let Jesus shine. We'll say it all the time. We believe we're living in the, the last of the last days. Then act like it. This is the most exciting time for the church. We're about to see him face to face. We can say all we want about the move of the Holy Spirit in church. But if such an outpouring isn't driving us to reach more people, it's kind of like Paul's philosophy of the church. We have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Somebody quoted this, and I love this. Performance without power will stimulate the natural man and can fill a building with people if done in excellence. We've got a lot of performances going on. But does that truly produce change and break the bonds of the enemy? And I, again, 
We watched people week in, week out attend church services over and over and over again, and they never break addiction. They never break the bondage that the enemy has over them because there's no power in our churches. We become powerless churches. Consider what Jesus said about the purpose and the production of the Holy Spirit. And again, I love Pentecost, and I, I'm glad I was raised in it. But being receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost does not just mean that we get to go swing from the chandeliers and run around the sanctuary and speak in tongues. That's not what Pentecost was all about. Jesus said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. If your Holy Ghost didn't give you boldness to, to, to witness to people, you got the wrong Holy Ghost. You just got a ghost. Because the Holy Ghost propels us to be witnesses, to lay down our lives and share the redemption story. Not run, not dance, not shout. None of those things are wrong and none of those things are bad. But that's not why we received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. David danced, and he didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God just came on him, and he danced. Oh, boy. I read somewhere where 99% of the church population in America never brings one person to church. And we wonder why we got 1% being saved. 90% of church attenders do not and will not invite someone to church. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and Boone County and Logan County and Lincoln County, whatever county you're from, God said that we would be witnesses unto him. And the easiest way to start a witnessing is just say, Hey, Danny, will you go to church with me this Sunday? The word witness actually means martyr. So Jesus was saying that to receive the power of the Holy Ghost, we lay down our lives. Think about that. But only one out of ten Christians will invite somebody to church. We need more. Jesus wants to release us into more. He wants us free from bondage. But do you want me to tell you what He wants us free from more than anything else? Contentment. The church just being content. Praise Him if you'll come back. John chapter 8, verse 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Every time Jesus did something in the New Testament, He was setting somebody free from something. Jesus was always going and coming from setting somebody free. And what He said in John chapter 8, verse 36 bears out the fact that He wants us free. Totally free. We sing about going into the enemy's camp and taking back what the enemy stole from us and we get all emotional and dance and run and we sing that song over and over but yet we still have churches full of people in bondage. 
They have addictions, they have anger, they have bitterness, they have bad attitudes, bad habits, unforgiveness, and that list could go on and on and on. We need and we should long for a visitation of the Holy Spirit. More of His glory. He can do it right here on the parking lot. Does God find us hungry today? Who's ready for an outpouring? He's invited us today for more of Him. The rest is up to us. Are we willing and hungry for more glory? How many people are ready to be changed today? How many people are ready to witness His power? How many people are ready to change others' lives? Who's ready? Will you stand? I want them to sing this song, and then I'm going to come back and close us out. But as they sing this, if you're here today and you're lost, what better way to start more than with salvation? I know we're practicing social distancing and all that good stuff. But if you're here today and you're lost, I'm not going to invite people to come up and pray for you, but I'm going to pray for you from right here. But if you want to make a public declaration today that I'm accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior, if you would, I want you just to come right here in the middle of, this, of the stage, right in front of the stage, and I want to pray for you today. If you're here and you're ready to make a statement that says, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I need him to rescue me today. If that's you, I want you to step out. I want you to come. If you're here and you need special prayer, I want you to come and I want you to line up. Or if you're here and you just say, Pastor, I want more. I want you to raise your hands. lead us in this song. I'm going to come down here and pray with Ben. If you want prayer, I want to pray with you. If you want to step out here and ask God for more, I want you to do that also.
listening with us today. We hope that you have been challenged, inspired, or God has changed you somehow or in some way by what you have heard. If you would like to learn more about Fountain of Life Worship Center, find us at our website at folwc.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash folwc, or in person. If you have a prayer request that you would like us to join in praying with you, please head to our prayer page at folwc.com slash prayer and click the image that reads prayer request. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can go to our website, folwc.com, and click Give at the top of the page. Join us every Thursday for a new podcast. 
Hit subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up with our most recent podcast episode. Have a great day, and God bless you all.